I know now since uh, one of the things, uh, I know I met with my sister Jeannie earlier this weekend. Um, she mentioned about how one of the things she appreciated of TCAC she thought was neat was actually the sermon reflection. Just to hear different people reflect on God's, it's helpful because when you hear one preaching, you see the sequential order of the previous one. But the other thing she said, it was also neat just to see God's word going through different people's personality. Uh, so I know with the youth, you guys are also here, everyone's combined here today. Uh, is we're looking at the book of Ruth. We're looking at the story of two widows, an older widow and her daughter-in-law, and her daughter-in-law. And in looking at the story, I think uh, one of the things I really enjoyed about the book of Ruth is the fact this is a story. There's no supernatural miracle in some great ways that we often think, for instance, of the parting of the Red Sea, uh, you know, uh, stones being turned into other things, or, 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 you know, water coming out of stones, or anything supernatural. But yet you see still the working of God. And one of the things I really like the book of Ruth is also, this is a time that's also in conjunction, the same time the book of Judges was written. And if you read Judges, it's about all these movers and shakers, and yet a lot of them end up being, as time goes on in history, end up being more and more sinful. But yet when you look at the book of Ruth, you see people that are very ordinary. In fact, if you look at it, people in history would almost say we could easily miss them because they're so ordinary. It's a story of widows. Is a story of perhaps a guy that's more respectable, but really just a local town folk here. And yet in all of this, you see that in contrast to all the judges where these people are supposed to be serving God, acting very sinfully in very heinous ways, and even the greater population acting very sinfully, yet you see that here there's still a ray of hope. That there's some people decide to live out God's truth, still believe in God, and act out what God requires of us, and even show abundant grace and mercy towards others. Now, remember, like I said last time, a roof is a widow, and widows back then, is there's no social security, there's no welfare checks, there's none of that. There's no government institute uh, uh, sanct- uh, sanctioned uh, welfare program. So here, for widows, people would have been very destitute because there's no man to work the field and everything. But we saw that there was introduction in Ruth chapter 2, God brought a man named Boaz to help this uh, widow named Ruth. And Ruth was also, by the way, also a foreigner. She was a Moabitess. And she is from the land of Moab, which often is an enemy of Israel. And yet Boaz shows kindness towards her. And we've been looking for the last uh, few weeks just how are the different ways God has used Boaz to show loving kindness. And we saw application. I've been really going slow with this because I think there's a lot of application teaching us here of how to be a person. How to be a person that is godly but also how to be a person in the church and also in society. We remember earlier, we reviewed of how in light of God's truth, we should also be what? Uh, helping the poor. We also saw the importance of greeting others. Do you guys remember that? We've also saw the importance of also even protecting others. And we also saw just even uh, all these applications of just how to live life. Now we're going to see two more characteristics. Today we're going to see really the relationship of helping others. And also being helped, because I think we want to go over this too, because I think sometimes we don't think about things. By the way, my reaction is this. I feel like we're going around a different part of the world. If you help someone in your state, sometimes it's very different, the reaction, than even in other parts of the world. Sometimes they could even get upset. How come you're not even helping more? So we want to talk today about what does it look like helping others, and also what does it look like receiving help, okay? Because every one of us one day will receive help, Yes? Say this after me. Every one of us will need help. So we want to go over how we receive help also as well in receiving that, okay? So in light of these, these are two points. Point number one is we're going to see that uh, uh, these are two commands. Uh, two commands. 
first one is continue to generously share to the needy. Continue to generously share to the needy. Again, we've already gone over we must help the needy. But today we're going to see that Boaz doesn't just stop at what we saw last time. He's going to go into further detail. He's going to even be extremely gracious, okay? Almost to the borderline of even unacceptableness for the Jewish eyes, okay? This is how he's going to be so generous, okay? So point number one is continue to generously share to the needy. This is found in verses 13 to 18. Verses 13 to 18. And also in verses 21 to 23. In fact, today's sermon, even though it has two points, is kind of a little bit uneven. Because this first point is more the focus in the, the uh, dominating theme for the rest of chapter 2. So it's in verses 13 to 18, and then 21 to 23, which is point number one, is continue to generously share to the needy, okay? And if you're taking notes, point number two is this. Point number two is this. Pray to God to bless those who help you. Pray to God to bless those who help you, okay? We'll talk about our even response of being helped, okay? I say this because I feel like this last year, God has taught me that people could receive help in a very ungodly way, the reaction towards that. Uh, but we want to go over just looking at this biblically. Uh, I think we have to go over this because uh, I think sometimes in America, we could have this idea of rights all the time where we think others ought to help us and ought to help us very generously or even really extra mile. But we want to see the application here is 19 to 20 is point number two. Pray to God uh, to bless those who help you. Now let's look first. Last time we saw uh, a bit of background. We saw Boaz help the widow by providing and protecting her in the field. If you look at verses 13, we're going to see now that her reaction, her response to uh, Boaz's kindness is one of overwhelming emotions. Because in verses 13, in verses 13 she, she said, I found favor in your sight, my Lord. For you have comforted me, and indeed you have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. Okay? I can make this a point number three, but I thought it would be better just for the sake of time and how long we spend each point. That this is just setting up the background. Notice here she is reacting towards Boaz's kindness, everything we've done seen thus far. Notice he's t- she tells him, to Boaz, this man who allowed her to be in her field to get food for her. By the way, she's not only getting food for herself, she's also getting food for her mother-in-law. And she says, you have comforted me. You have comforted me. Okay? And comfort here is not talking about an emotional thing. It's talking about that you've helped me. You, you gave me relief. Okay? And there's also different times where it's used to talk about the easing of the mind. Okay? Easing of the mind. That here is, could you imagine a widow? is going to be worried about daily food, day to day. What is she going to eat? It's not guaranteed. Okay? And now she says, hey, you have given me comfort. Notice also as well, Ruth's reaction to her being helped is one of humility. Okay? Ruth's reaction to being helped is one of humility. Now I know in receiving help, it is very humbling sometimes. But sometimes when we feel very humble, we can also as well, our pride comes in and we say, oh, they're helping us because they want to buy our friendship, they want to use us, or whatever else. But I think there's a sense of humility. Notice her humility is shown that she indeed, she's talking about um, Boaz, she said, Indeed, you have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I'm not like one of your maidservants. Okay? I want to look at the term maidservant. Is that a humbling term to say you're a maidservant to somebody? Okay? And by the way, at this moment, she is not a servant. She's not a slave of... Boaz. But I think she speaks terms of humility, okay? Mm-hmm. By the way, in a culture where they have slavery, 
there's sometimes more than one word for slavery. Just like in cultures that eat a lot of rice, right? Like for instance, Chinese language, is there more than one kind of way of saying rice? Yes, right? You, in Chinese, there's a difference between what? Uncooked rice and what? Cooked rice, right? Is that true in Korean language? Yeah, okay, so okay. Uh, when I went to Nepal, the same thing. They're like, yeah, I, like, I guess all cultures that eat rice has that because why? You want to distinguish rice that just came in and rice that could. Just like if you go to Alaska, right? The Native Americans there, they have like 13, 14 different words for snow. We just have snow, snow, snow. But then they have, no, 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 soft snow, snow you build um, igloos from or whatever else. You know? So all of that, right? Because what is they use that term. Same thing here. It's a culture where there is, there is slavery. There is servants. So when she uses this term, do you think she picked the highest term for the highest kind of servant or the lowest? What do you guys think? She picked the lowest. She, there's different words for female subordinates. This particular term is not the same one as in verses 8. Remember how in this field, Boaz had working in the field men and women. This is not the same word. This is not the same kind of maidservant as you see in verses 8. In fact, it is even lower. Okay, So she's humbling herself. She says, you know what? You've been kind to me. Your maidservant. Though she's not, she's lowering herself purposely. And then she continues on and says, Hey, you know what? The reality is this. I'm not even your lowest of your lowest of your servants. Okay? This is the kind of servant that we see elsewhere in Scripture that if a woman marries, she could bring along her servant with her. Okay? With her to, to her marriage and the family. Think of, for instance, when you think of Leah and Rachel. Okay? They brought their servant. Okay? Where the master, the father could say, You know what? It's... Okay, it's not to my big economic loss if I go ahead and give these servants to my daughter also as well, okay? So here we see, she even says, hey, it's not just only that, but I'm not even your, like your lowest. This is not the result of low, poor self-esteem. This is the recognition of how much grace Boaz has poured upon her. But you know what? The generosity does not stop here. Which leads her to our first point. Point number one today is we need to continue to generously share to the needy. We need to continuously share to the needy, okay? If you stop in verses 12, you might say, oh, look, she's also saying I'm doing a good job already. Okay, I could stop being gracious. But what we see here is Boaz does not stop showing his kindness to her, okay? Now, some of us reading this could say, oh, well, that's because he's kind to her because he has an agenda. He wants to marry her. But I don't think that's necessarily the case right now. By the way, I also think there's a difference of age gap, okay? Do you remember, what does he call her? My daughter, okay? My daughter, okay? So here we see here, okay? Here we see here that he, uh, he's doing this, and I think the reason why his motivation is because of Romans 2.12. He believes that God is re- providing refuge to Ruth and Naomi, but he believes this is true, that while God is doing this, he also is concurrently believing that humans have responsibility, that he is the one that's acting out as God's wings of mercy. Do you see that? Ruth 2.12, he said earlier, you have put your place, trust, and refuge in God, in whose wings you're under, okay? Now, and he's acting this out practically, okay? He's not just saying, oh, let me just pray for you and hope you have a nice day, good night, sayonara, or, or whatever else. Right? Here you see, he's helping her. He believes that he's acting out as God's wing, as God's help. So you see the generosity continues. And we're going to see nine further description of how overwhelmingly generous he is. Look at, let's look at the first part in verses 14. You see him inviting Ruth for a meal. Verses 14 says this, At mealtime Boaz said to her, Come here, that you may eat of the bread and dip your pieces of bread in the vinegar. Okay? Giving Ruth's economic status, she's a widow, 
Remember how her mother lost the press doing nothing. So she says, I'm going to go look for a field and, you know, I hope I land in right field, right? By the way, if you notice this whole passage, the word, the safety is the big theme here, okay? Three, four different times the verb uh, don't touch, don't harass is mentioned, okay? Because this is a day and age where people were, women were being taken advantage of and even murdered, okay? So we're not just saying, oh, these are just people that are just... Uh, chauvinistic or patriarchal. No, this is where times were people would not even protect their wives in being taken advantage as we saw in Judges 21, okay? Or uh, Judges 19. So here we see in the story here, his generosity continues by him inviting her for a meal. When it says, uh, and so she's probably a widow. She is hungry. She probably didn't have any, pack any lunch. Because why? The reason why she's going out to someone's field looking for food is because what? She has no lunch, okay? She has no lunch, okay? Yes, could you imagine here? This is, she's in a difficult situation, okay? She's in a very difficult situation. She's getting food because she could easily say, oh, I'm going to go back home later and then prepare all the other process and then I'll be able to eat. But while she's eating, oh, everyone's eating lunch, she could just keep working. But Boaz shows kindness. Even though she didn't pack her own lunch, she says, come here, okay? I think come here, I think also implies that she was humble. She kept her distance. She wasn't just like saying, oh, look over here. Okay, there's, there's food, okay? She wasn't hovering around, okay? Uh, she wasn't hovering around hoping that for, for just free handed already prepared food. So when he says come here, it shows that she's, the custom, she understands, she's a stranger. She's away while they're eating. But, you know, imagine the smell of food cooking, right? Imagine standing outside in and out, and you're just working, but then everyone's eating and you're not, right? Imagine that, that, that good smell of food. Mm. And yet you see here, he says to her, come here, okay? Come here. And then he goes on further and says, dip your piece of bread in the vinegar, okay? Dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. Have you guys ever had Mediterranean food where you guys had bread? Okay. Uh, I like sometimes in Indian food place because why? They're non, you could have it flavored, Yes. The bread is like garlic. Oh, I'm just drooling. Just thinking about it. I'm going to eat Indian food tonight, yeah? Amen? Okay. So, okay. That's, we're from the pulpit, right? Okay. So here we see. So you can think about a dry piece of bread, okay? You could just eat it. And if he just gave it to her, it would already have been so kind of him, right? Because she had no bread. She, the wheat that she had would take a while. She has to beat it, take it home, cook it, all the whole process, all of that, okay? It would have taken a long time, okay? This is not a day of instant ramen. You feel me? But now they had food prepared already for their servants. And he says, come over here. He didn't just only give her bread a little bit. He says, why don't you go ahead, get this dry bread. And what do you do? Dip it in what? Vinegar, right? Think of Zanku chicken, right? Think of a nice Mediterranean place of uh, that. When you dip the hummus or you dip all the vinegar in the... Just think of all that, like, mmm, right? Like, think about tonight, honey, right? <laughs> so verses 13. Yeah, preacher, Okay. So here it says, dip your, vinegar, uh, your bread in vinegar. Does this show loving kindness? Yes, okay. This shows loving kindness. That he, had, that he would say, hey, come here, and not just I'm going to give you bread, but I want you to actually enjoy and actually be satisfied with the food that I'm giving you. While you're further in my field, getting food for throughout the week and perhaps even months. We'll talk about that more later. Is this ex- extraordinary grace? What do you guys think? Yes, but the generosity doesn't stop there. Look with me in verses 14. The next line, she, it says, So she sat beside the reapers. So she sat beside the reapers, okay? Now, we live in a day and age, I know we live in America, it's post-1950s, right? Where, if you remember the 50s, people in certain states 
cannot eat at certain locations. You guys realize that? You, you know, there is a corner for certain uh, ethnicity, color, and then some that are somewhere else, okay? So we, we kind of, we think automatically that's wrong, okay? But maybe the closest analogy we could have is think about like when you're in school. Could you sit next to anybody? Like when you're in younger school, right? There's like this, like, I don't know, caste system or whatever, popularity. Could you just go and sit anywhere sometimes with people? Not necessarily. Think about like that kind of place. Same thing in that culture, even more so. Now, he could have just gave food, but to sit down was, eating next to someone was kind of a big deal, okay? Kind of a big deal in that culture. Because meals have great symbolic significance. Ruth earlier said she's the lowest of the lowest of the slave. And even then, she's not even the lowest of the lowest of the female slaves. But now she's sitting besides who? The reapers. So in other words, what, uh, what Boaz has done is actually lifted her social status higher saying, hey, come here and eat with us. Does that make sense? Okay? So it's almost like if we're in a church, you see someone's eating alone, and say, hey, come over here. Why don't you sit down? And we can talk together, right? It's showing, welcoming, and saying, hey, we're equal on par. We're brothers, and we are sisters here, okay? But this would have been a big deal, okay? By the way, Boaz, um, he, in doing this, he's actually saying, I'm going to be what? Fellowshipping with you. I'm going to be fellowshipping with you. Even though you are a foreigner, and a foreigner from a country that has a history at this time. He could have just said, well, you know, you could be over there at, you know what, because your, your country attacked my country. He could, could have done something crazy like that, okay? Which has, is true. The history of Moab hasn't been nice towards Israel. In fact, they will later, the nation will suffer consequences for, for how they treated Israel, okay? But here he didn't discriminate against her. And by the way, he brought her in uh, with his workers and lifted his, her status up. And by the way, one thing I see that's amazing here is also where was Boaz eating at? He's also eating with his servants, okay? And he's supposed to be the who? The master, okay? The boss, okay? He's the kind of guy that's working with his working field hand, and he's work eating along with everyone else. And then sees her, the lowest of the lowest, and say, you know what? Come here, come here, eat with us. And by the way, not just eat with us the bread. Make sure you enjoy this food. Make sure you get your bread and dip it in this beautiful hummus or vinegar here, okay? You get the idea here? This is incredibly extraordinary in the time for a pious Jew to do this. By the way, do we know anyone else in the Bible that because if he eats to the lowest, would eventually be killed? Who is that? Jesus Christ, okay? So you can see how political this is for him to sit along with this. This is revolutionary, okay? This is like revolutionary status of thinking about like Rosa Parks. Instead of Rosa Parks being rebe- rebel, it's like someone else said, no, you take my seat, okay? This is how incredibly gracious and generous he is with her. There's a third generosity. It says, and he served her roasted grain, okay? Roasted grain would have been a staple of what people in Israel and the border middle, uh, near, near East or the Middle East would have eaten, okay? Roasted grain. It's like their version of rice, or bread, okay? Or potatoes, if you're Scottish and Irish, okay? This is the staple of what they, they, they have. But I want to call attention that something we don't see in the NSB, the NSB just says he served, but literally in the Hebrew, it's actually he gave with his hands. He didn't just say, hey, here, go ahead and get the food here yourself, help yourself. But he what? He served her. In other words, he's acting, by the way, Waiters bring food to us, yes? yes? Waiters should bring, we're serving. So he's acting like what? A servant towards her. You could have just said, hey, one of my hard men, or you, you just go ahead and help yourself. He didn't do any of that. With his own hands, he served her. Kind of like a waiter. 
kind of like a servant here. Okay? What an incredible man this is. What blows my mind away is even more amazing is this is a man before Christ. Before Christ is the model and someone says, I'm going to wash your feet and you guys, the greatest among you, wash your feet. Here's a man that's acting this out already as a type of Christ. You see also there's a fourth generosity in, uh, noted in verses 14. The last part says, she was satisfied and had some left. She was satisfied. Here a widow for Moab in a foreign land who has not gotten any help tasted her first full meal and was satisfied. Who knows when was the last time she had a meal where she was fully satisfied. But notice it wasn't just even that she had some wet. Leftovers, okay? By the way, when people haven't eaten for a while, are they hungry? Would they, would they be able to finish everything? Probably, okay? I remember uh, when I was in Marines, I was really small. I was 118 pounds, smallest guy. Uh, I was what they call a double rat. At one point in my uh, record boot camp, my drone instructor saw me and he's like, you know, I was getting dark. He's like, you look like a Somali kid, you know, that we're going to feed brain with. So I'm going to make you line up, and I'm going to make you triple rat. Remember we did that, and the cook finally said, hey, you can't do that. And the drone said, oh, okay, okay. And he looked at me and said, hey, I, you know. So, but I remember after the crucible, the, this thing we do, so how many hours again for the Marines crucible, the final part? Like 72? I don't remember. How many hours? Two days. Two days. Basically, you know, a little food and everything else. And then in the end, what do we have? The last part after we've done the reaper and everything else, what do we do? Warriors breakfast. I remember all these big guys sitting next to me, all, all of a sudden being extra friendly and everything else. And I found out later, the reason why they sat next to me is they were thinking, oh, you know what? You're a small guy. You probably wouldn't finish anything. I've, listen, my brothers and sisters, I finished everything. That was the biggest food I, amount of food I've ever eaten. I finished everything and then some, because that drill instructor was kind of nice. He just kind of said, hey, I'm going to get you some more, little guy, right? And even then, I finished everything. That's what happened when you're hungry, okay? And I still gained no pounds with that, okay? So I bring us to say is this, when you're hungry, you eat a lot of things. And here she was, she had not just ate everything, but she had some what? Leftover and was satisfied and was full. Is this very generous of him? Yes. Incredibly generous, okay? By the way, I think when he packed lunch, when he had a certain time lunch, they probably weren't planning that, oh, we're going to help, help some extra homeless or whatever. I think this shows that Boaz, by nature, was already super generous. That even when he already had uh, prepared food for the men, he already had more than enough for all these working hands to, to feed them all, okay? This is an incredibly generous man, okay? Incredibly generous. We also see a fifth characteristic of his generosity. Look at verse 15. We're now at verse 15. When she rose to glean, Boaz commanded his servant, saying, Let her glean even among the she uh, sheaves, and do not insult her. When she rose to glean, by the way, Ruth is not just giving, getting a handout. Notice what she do. After she's done, she go ahead and work to get food for her family, okay? When he's gone, you don't, you just, you think this, his kindness stopped? No. Even when she's not there, he's working behind the scene. Look at the way she works behind the scene. While she's earshot from not hearing from him, notice the action he takes. He commanded his servant, which is the second and final talk Boaz gives to his worker concerning Boaz, uh, Ruth. Notice what he commanded them, saying, Let her glean even on the sheaves and do not insult her. Did he say this already earlier before? Yes. But repeating is what? Shows that it's important. He repeats this again because it shows how important, how serious he is with this. He's not just saying kindly, say, oh, I want to help you. And that's it. He's like, no, I really want to help you. And I'm going to tell my men again, let her glean from the field and do not insult her. Do not, by the way, it captures all. Earlier he says, do not touch her. That's harass her. 
okay? Uh, assault her physically. But he also says, hey, don't use word to hurt her even emotionally. Do not insult her. He's all-encompassing in terms of how generous and how kind with his loving kindness. It's, it's, I mean, this is going pretty far, okay? He's showing kindness very further in this repetition here. There's also six characteristics of his further generosity. Look with me in verses 16. Verses 16. Also, you shall purposely pull out from her gra- uh, from, uh, for her grain from the bundles and leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. Now you see, I mean, he's already outpouring over grace. If this is a cup of how much grace is, he's already outpouring. But it's not even that. He's turning on the volume of the water even higher, okay? Because now he tells his servants what to do. To even get out, deliberately pull out grains to be for her, okay? Look at the word bundles. Notice it says pull out from some of the grains from the bundles, okay? Where are they to pull the grains out from, guys? Bundles. What, what are bundles? What are bundles? Think about this for a moment. He said bundles. Bundles is referring to what you've already gathered, Okay? This is not like, oh, you're going to be working the field and then pull some out and then secretly helping out. He says, not only just do that, but go even further. Go to the bundles, the things you already have, and get them for who? For her. Okay? Get them for her. I can imagine the guy saying, oh man, we worked all that hard. We're gonna, you're going to want us now? But he's like, no. Do this. Be generous and be kind to her. Okay? Be kind to her. By the way, just because she's receiving help doesn't mean that she does not work. Because remember, she went out again. And then when she gets it, she beats it, okay? When she gets the thing, she, they have to separate it from the shaft. They beat it, okay? Literally, what they get is a stick. They hit it to separate this, okay? And you see how much that she has? How much was she able to get? Because the servants purposely went to the field secretly and still put it on the floor. Extra stuff so she picks it up. She, after she beats all of it, which, by the way, separates the what? Uh, shaft, right? It's like the thing of a corn. When you see a, a cob of corn, cob, right? You know, it's heavier than if you what? Buy it from the market when it's separated, right? When it's, you know, the processed one, right? Because it's all been processed. It's, you know, same thing if you remove all the shaft, remove all the extra part that's not what you're eating, you have less weight. But you catch how much it is? What does your version say? Verses 14. What does it say? Ifa, okay? Which, by the way, whenever we read the Bible, we always have to step in the biblical world. When you see a word you don't know, you don't say, oh, Ifa, oh, I have enough, I'll just move on, I'm done with my devotion. No, this is where you pay attention and do word study. How much is an Ifa? Is it a little or is it a lot? 26 what? Oh, how'd you know? Oh, okay, I thought my wife was a Bible scholar, okay. <laughs> Good, okay, so yes, right? Uh, Nancy says is 26 quarts. The commentary that I read said is 30 to 50 pounds, okay? Or three-fifths of a bushel, which we don't know because we're not agricultural, but 30 to 50 pounds. Is that a little or is that a lot of grain, okay? If she's maybe 100 pounds, that's what? Probably half her weight, okay? This is, you know, I mean, this is quite an imagery, okay? That's a lot of food that she's gleaning. Either this guy's field is up really big or what? He's telling his servants, hey, don't just get it from here. Go to the things you already stashed and, and make sure she's getting that, okay? Incredibly generous, okay? By the way, just to put in a more further economic uh, background, we see from old Babylonian record, usually a harvester, 
A male harvester working as a hired hand in the field usually only asks one or two pounds for payment for, for during his time of work, okay? And this is what? Times what? Let's just say he asked for a pound. This is 30 to 50 times what the men were being paid. The men could easily work and say, how come we're not getting paid this? But I, but I think they, he probably pays them very well, okay? But here we see, this is extraordinary. In economic turn, if people in Babylon, just as a parallel to the, uh, because the ancient New York School, were asking for a one or two pounds as payment, this probably speaks to the fact that he's providing for her very, very, very generously. Let's also see the generosity continues. The generosity continues. There's also an eighth characteristics of how you went further generous in verses 18. Look with me in verses 18. It says, She took it up. And went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also took it out and gave Naomi what she has left after she was satisfied. Okay? Notice, could you imagine? Now she's finishing. She get all these 30 to 50 pounds. How do you carry all that? Right? Could you imagine? She's, I don't know, carrying in some kind of cloth or something else. Could you imagine seeing this lady that's like probably 80, or probably 90, 100 pounds, carrying something that's almost half her weight entering into the city? It must have been a sight. More, moreover, it must have been quite a sight for a mother-in-law, right? Remember, she's like all depressed. She's in her house. Hey, God bless you. Maybe you'll find something. Nobody's here. And all of a sudden, here comes your daughter-in-law, who you didn't think even was helpful when you say there's no one. Here comes this lady, right? A big bag of USAID food, like those images you see of Somalia. Carrying this big bag, you're thinking, what? What is going on? But look at this characteristics further. So the first thing he give, she gives her is not this food that's unprocessed. She actually has food readily available for her already. Notice she says she took it out and gave Naomi what she had left. Remember her leftover that she had? How much leftover do you think she has? Look, Naomi was given this and she was even satisfied. She was full from her leftover. Okay? She was full from some leftover. You ever been to a restaurant where the food they serve is so big? And even the leftover end up being like a full whole meal the next day, right? I don't know what restaurant, like uh, claim jumpers, right? It's just like, man, it's just a portion. It's just epic, right? It's just, just the standard is, you know, you know, there's supersized me and then there's American, okay? You feel me, okay? So sometimes we forget every portion we eat, okay? Even Chinese food. You go overseas and, oh, I want to order Chinese food. Like, hey, there's less, okay? You go, oh, I like Indian bu- buffet. Huh, well, there's less. You know, you just realize this is, you go to Europe, right? You go to Europe, you know, oh, I want to order a hot dog. Why is that, why is this German hot dog so small? Why do they have mayonnaise, right? It's because we forget. You know, it's like, I live in Atlanta, Costco, right? There's supersized and there's American. You feel me? Look right here. She was even full. She was even satisfied. And that was just from the leftover. By the way, there's a play on word. Remember earlier? Roof ate. She was satisfied. Then she had what? Leftover. Now, the leftover is mentioned first when it comes to Naomi, and then she was satisfied, right? This is incredibly generous of this man. Incredibly generous. There's also a ninth characteristic of his generosity. Look with me in verses 21 to 23. A ninth characteristic is this. Ruth the Moabite says, Further he said to me, You should stay close to my servant until they have finished all my harvest. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughters, that you should go out with your maids, so the others do not fall upon 
you in another field. So stay close by the maids of Boaz in, in order to glean until the end of barley harvest and the whole harvest. And she lived with his mo- her mother-in-law. This is when Ruth and Naomi were just talking, okay? Woman talk going on here, okay? And they're talking about this man. But towards the end, she tells her mother-in-law, Ruth tells her mother-in-law one more details while she's all, all, all happy and excited. Says, by the way, we already, I know we already have 30, 50 pounds of food. Which, by the way, 30, 50 pounds of food is enough to feed them for weeks and months. But you see how generous this man is? He told Ruth, as she quoted him in verses 21, You stay my servant until, work in my field until how long? Till all the harvest is over. This would have been another few more weeks. That she already had gained 30, 50 pounds would have been enough for her to survive. Think about those big bag of rice that you guys growing up, maybe some of you guys have eaten before, right? Big bag, right? Family size pack, right? For what? Weeks or months. This is how much it is. And yet she's allowed by this man and says, the guy didn't just say, oh, here, God bless you, 30, 50 pounds. Hey, I feel good now. He says, continue to come to my field until harvest season is over. Okay? This man is incredibly generous. This would have been from late April to early June when the harvest barley season would have been over. How long is that? How much more food could she get? She'd probably get enough food to open a restaurant, some of us feel. Why should I help them, right? You could open up their own small business already. But no, she was continuously being kind and generous. This should challenge us, should it not? This should challenge us to give and help others what? Generously, Okay. To give and help others generously. Now, I don't want to get into so much psychology, but if you go online, there's been studies done of happiness, okay? In fact, I think there's a, uh, I forgot right now, but when I was teaching uh, for our relationship series on Lighthouse, um, in England, there's actually a center for studies of happiness or something like that. I don't remember exactly. But you know, um, they've actually done studies. You know, there's some characteristics of those that are usually the happiest. Is the people that are happiest, is it usually those that get, get, get the most? What do you guys think? Or the one that gives the most. What do you guys think? It's actually those that give the most, okay? It's counterintuitive what our culture, to all those advertisements see every day, says, if you only get this, then you'll be like this person, happy, smiling face. But you know what it is? I think it is true. In the short life that I've lived, I think it is generally true that I think I am generally joyful, happy, not in a superficial way, generally joyful in the Lord. Now, I don't smile all the time, naturally, my natural disposition. But if you ask me, am I joyful? I would say, yeah, I'm joyful in the Lord, okay? Like, I'm so excited when we read the Word of God. I, I can't sleep sometimes because, not because I can't uh, stress, it's because, like, I think, whoa, the Word of God is so amazing. Like, sometimes I just want to, like, wake up Nancy, like, hey, Nancy, like, take out your blinders. Like, this is so amazing. Could you, this is like, uh, could you see, this is like, uh, incredible. Like, you know, it's just like, whoa. Like, you know, sometimes I feel like I text guys, but then I feel like if I text so much about God's Word, maybe they don't hear on Sundays, okay? But here, this is the amazing thing, is this. We must give joyfully. And we must believe, we must not believe the devil's lie. Oh, if you give too much, it'll rob you of joy. Okay? We must not believe that, okay? We must believe Jesus Christ's words that Paul quoted. It is better to give than to what? Receive. Sometimes the only time we believe that verse, it's better to give and receive is when we engage in kickboxing with somebody. Oh, that's the only time we feel, oh, it's better to give than receive when we punch somebody. But you know what? That's not what Jesus Christ is saying. Jesus Christ is saying it is better to give sacrificially to help others than to receive. Do you believe that? So when you give, I know, by the way, I want to say this. I am very thankful that we're a small church. And I see the numbers. Sometimes I'm amazed at how much is given. 
And then I was really burdened to say, oh man, should I go to our church? Or should we, Nancy and I, shoulder the burden? Just ourselves, just our own personal pet project to support the orphanage in a certain part of the world. And I was really touched just how much has been given. Uh, how much has been given. So when I say this to give more, please don't understand. I'm not saying, hey, give, give me more for my pocket. I'm actually very encouraged of all you guys giving. Can I say this? I am very thankful. I am extremely thankful for that, okay? But if there's anything of encouragement here that motivates me, that gives me joy, seeing Boaz's example is, wow, we can still thrive and grow more, okay? With that, okay? So let me say this. I'm not guilt-tripping. I hope you realize I'm sharing this out of a heart of true thanksgiving. And I do want to give what credit's due, too. I think this church, the English side, sometimes I'm astounded at the numbers. Sometimes it could even be twi- uh, half the amount as the Chinese congregation gives. Sometimes, not all the time, okay? Some months. And that speaks an incredible love for God. And I want to say, in order to ensure that you will never be bitter or regret giving, make sure you continue to focus on the Lord and His grace, okay? Uh, with that. So thank you, okay? Thank you with that. Let's go to point number two. I want to look at point number two. This is where I'm going to shift gear. We see what it is to give, but I also want to talk about what it is is like to receive help from others, okay? Life, it is about serving God. But I also think there's a reason why towards the end of our years of life, most of us towards the end of the year of our life, before we die, we're probably, when we get older, we're probably going to need the help of others. You guys realize that? We're probably going to need the help of others. Even though we try to be as much as independent, I think there's a reality that realizes. By the way, we should also realize with our parents, when they get older, they're probably going to need more of our what? help. And also want to say, even our in-laws will probably need more of our help. Okay? This is what's biblical. And by the way, if you think, oh man, that's a burden. Guess what? You also one day be what? Be able to get discount at Denny's. Right? <laughs> one day, every one of you guys will be getting old one day. Okay? Realize this, okay? So realize it's a cycle of life, okay? So in light of this, I want to talk about what does help receiving help for others look like, which is found in verses 19 to 20. Look with me in verses 19 to 20, okay? Her mother-in-law then said to her, Where did you glean today, and where did you work? May he who take notice of you be blessed. So she took her mother-in-law with her, whom she had worked and said, The name of the man with whom I work today is Boaz. Naomi said to her mother-in-law, May he be blessed of the Lord, who has not withdrawn his kindness to the living and the dead. Again, Naomi said to her, The the man is our relative. He is our close relatives. Okay? Verses 19 to 20. You see, verses 19 right away in this verse, she asks a whole bunch of, she asks questions, okay? Really, there's two questions. Where did you glean today? And where did you work? By the way, I love the order too, right? She's eating this food first because she's hungry. She hasn't eaten for a while. She's been moping, feeling sorry for herself, self-pitying, partying and everything else. Now she sees food like, what? Well, my daughter-in-law comes with this big pound of bag of food, right? And now she's eating. And I think she's not talking. I remember one time for evangelism, I, PCC, I took someone out, evangel- evangelized him. He got his number and said, let's go evangelize. I want to meet with you and talk to you more about the gospel. And this guy was so hungry. When we were eating, like I was talking about, hey, you know, I want to continue talking about Jesus. And he said, hey, could you stop talking? Because I just need to make sure I, I eat. I'm hungry. After we finished, he said, okay, I got to go to class. Bye. I was like, oh, right, okay. This is a characteristic. She's hungry. I love how it says she's eating and then she's full. She's full. Then she talked. 
But when she talks, oh man, she throws a lot of questions. By the way, she asked two questions, but I think she probably asked more than that, okay? Two questions is quoted, and Naomi doesn't get a response, and she's still asking. The two questions are these. Where did you glean? What field did you go that got so many food? Secondly, where did you work at? Same questions repeated what? Same way, different ways, okay? And by the way, did you catch this in verses 19? Before she even knows the answer, before Ruth even answers and gives the answer in verses 20, before she replied, she already says what? Did you catch this in the second half of verse 19? She already blesses whoever it is that helped her daughter-in-law. She, she says this in verse 19. May he who take notice of you be what? Blessed, okay? Did you catch how quick she is to bless someone else? She doesn't even know the name of who this person is. She doesn't even know the address of where this is. She already what? Blesses this person who helped her out. And I like how verses 20, I mean, Ruth, I like how Ruth does her answer. She milks it, okay? When, you, when someone asks you, by the way, she doesn't really answer the question. She didn't say what address. She just goes straight to the chase and said, tells her, her mother-in-law who it is, right? The questions before is where, where, where. She just says who, which is really the heart of the answer. But when she says who it is, I like the way she milks it, okay? She doesn't just say, Boaz. But look at how colorful she is. She says all this long sentence. By the way, where's the word Boaz? In the end or in the beginning? And right? Could you imagine? She's hiding this, right? Her mother-in-law is wondering, and then she's like saying all these things. She's like, okay, 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 okay. Well, tell me the name already, right? She's milking this, okay? I mean, look at this, right? So she told her mother-in-law whom she worked. and said, the name of the man, she's like this, right? The name of the man with whom I work today, she had to mention today, right? Obviously, we know today, is Boaz, right? I mean, she's milking this, okay? For effect, to say, this is who he is. Okay? By the way, in the story earlier, we never seen anywhere that Boaz say, hi, my name is Boaz, right? He didn't have a sign that says, hi, my name is, right? I don't know how she picked up the name. Very likely, she picked up the name from the workers, okay? By the way, the narrator know who Boaz is? The readers here know who Boaz is? Because why? Ruth 2 earlier, it tells us Ruth, Boaz is the kinsman, is a relative of no. But if there's one person in this whole story that doesn't know what's going on, uh, who's related to who is who? It's Ruth, okay? Because later on, Naomi verses 20 says, Oh, okay, this is our, kins- this is our relative, okay? This is one of our relatives, this is our kinsman. And this whole time, she doesn't even know what's going on. I think, what's his name? Knows also as well. Uh, everyone knows the only one in the dark is who? Is Ruth. Even us reading this knows who it is, right? But upon finding out the name, do you see what Naomi does? She goes ahead and blesses her again, uh, blesses uh, Boaz again. He says, may he be blessed of the Lord. Do you guys catch that? May he be blessed in the Lord. Repetition, but now he knows. But notice she goes on and says, the Lord has not withdrawn his kindness to the living and to the dead. If there's another, when I was translating Ruth 1 and 2, the words that appear often is, remember the word insult, the word touch, remember the whole assault, because this little endangered age. But another word that appears a lot is also the word kindness, which is actually loving kindness. The Hebrew word is hesed, okay? Or kesed, okay? Here we see, is one of the, one of the hard Arabic kind of sounding words, okay? Uh, with the K, with the, like you feel like you're going to like spit kind of thing, you know? I remember when I was taking Arabic, I would say a certain word, and like, no, like, pretend to spit, I was like, uh, whatever else, okay? Then you get the idea. That's the kind of word it is, okay? Kesed or or whatever, okay? 
She says here, the Lord has not withdrawn his kindness. Do you see how much help has, by the way, when we help others, sometimes we turn people's faith around. Naomi, who earlier says, hey, God is not kind to all these other things. Now when she said the word, that's often invoked God's characteristics. Here, when she says this word in verses uh, 20, there's a turning around for her. There's a turning around for her. And by the way, she says, the Lord who has not withdrawn his kindness. Earlier, remember, she says, God has not been kind. And even she, even earlier in Ruth chapter 1 says, I hope God will be kind to you widows as much as you are kind. In other words, he, she's saying, hey God, you need to learn something about kindness from these two widows. Think about how wrong theology she's saying with her words. Because she's hurt. She's in a time of difficulty. But because now through Boaz, Boaz didn't just help practically. She also now strengthens. He also now strengthens this older woman's faith who was not even there at that moment. You realize sometimes when we help, the help that we receive goes beyond anything that you and I have. Sometimes we need to have faith. It goes beyond sometimes even our generation. Okay? One of my friends is a guy named David Pat. I think some of you guys might know. Uh, he uh, does work for o- o- uh, OMF, Oriental Missions Fun- uh, Foundation. One of the reasons why that led him to want to do things to help people was when his ancestors, long ago, was in Shanghai. During the time of World War II, uh, he remembered, knowing his family history, that there were Western missionaries that helped his family out, sheltered them, and provided them food, right? And he's so grateful that, for that, and he's so grateful for the Lord for that, and even the history of certain missions organizations that he ended up with, joining that same organization later on when the opportunity has to do that. Think about what it means. Sometimes you don't help when you help somebody. It's not just that one person. The impact is beyond. We need to have eyes of faith. It sometimes means even their children and their children's children goes beyond that, okay? I want to say is this, don't ever discount everything that you have. Even if that person doesn't respond well, you share the gospel, show kindness. Remember, sometimes people live for decades. Sometimes people in their death, dying death, do they remember God's kindness during their youth of people. So never ever discount that you do not see fruit. Now. And sometimes it might not even be that fruit of that person. And sometimes they mention it later to your kids and their kids are Whoa, are you serious? God was working to you. I was trying to evangelize you, mom and dad. But what? You're telling me that the churches have helped you before in the past in such extraordinary ways? Yeah. My brothers and sisters, please do not ever discount. Sometimes it might not even mean the salvation of that person. Sometimes it might mean also, A, it encourages the faith of those who are trying to evangelize to their parents. I remember my parents sharing also as well. You know, the time they were broke at one time in Texas, they had no money. And this crazy Laotian pastor just waiting in the bus stop. Was that the story? How it goes, Julie? Uh, and then this person came up and said, I think God is telling me to help you. She's, this person came and realized, hey, it kind of looked Laotian to my mom and said, I think Amoy, you know, little daughter, saying, you know, you hear my daughter say that, I say that to my daughter, says, I think I'm here by God to tell you to give this money. And my mom and dad was even blown away. Was like, what kind of, this is so weird, okay? This is so weird. And I remember just sharing to my mom and dad the gospel. And I asked my mom one time, like, is there ever a time the church has ever been good? And my mom thought about it and said, yeah. Actually, I didn't even remember, I forgot about this. But there's this one time, and then she shared that story. Okay? You must never discount what you do for the Lord. Okay? But here, let's go back on with the story here. Naomi finished the food, asked the question, and yet blesses him. Right? Blesses him. And when he said, she says the word, the Lord has not withdrawn his kindness to the living and to the dead. This echoes earlier, Ruth 1, 20 to 21. 
Ruth 121 earlier talked about kindness and living in the dead. This is when earlier Ruth says, Hey, you can leave me, my daughter-in-law. Go ahead, go. You've been kind to me, the living and also the dead. But now the same structure appears here. You know what I think is significant of this? This is a turnaround point. Earlier he invoked, she invoked, Yeah, you have been kind to me. Maybe God could have been learned from your example. Now he's turning around and says, Whoa, God is still kind to both the living and the dead. She's moved. So our response, even as we pray for God to bless those who help us, make sure our own faith of God grows too. When we pray, we're actually having relations with God. By the way, that's possible because of what? The generosity of Christ. Reading this story, I can't help but to think of even Jesus. In His own generosity, fed the five, what? Thousand. To the point that they even had extra food more than what they started with. The greatest fulfillment of Boaz is not even Boaz. Boaz is the type pointing towards Christ. The possibility for us to even pray to God to bless those who help us is because why we could even pray in the first place even though we're sinners and enemies of God is because the generous Christ who's not only fed so many who himself says eat of me take of me I'm the bread of life I will die for you and I will save you from your sins I will go to the town of Bethlehem born in Bethlehem the city of bread to become the bread uh, to be the uh, bread of life to die so that when we consume Him, that is when we trust in Him, He saves us so that we can go to Him and pray to bless others and to receive His blessing. My challenge to you guys is this. If anyone here today listening to the Word of God, I hope you see the beauty of Ruth too, but I hope even more you see the beauty of a beautiful Savior who came to Bethlehem, who provided generously to a crowd of 4,000, a crowd of 5,000, who provided the greatest generosity is that He Himself would offer His life, His blood, to wash away our sins. Would you trust in Him? And would you trust in Him today? And say, You will be my Lord and You will be my Savior. Save me for my sins and save me for Yourself. Let's close in a word of prayer.